right. Good morning, apes. Thank you guys for joining us here today on the Daily Peel live stream once again. Of course, coming at you today from the Daily Peel Global Headquarters. Location still undisclosed, uh, but we are very happy to be with you guys here today. It is 11.39 a.m. on this beautiful Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. Hope everybody's doing well, as we know that the markets certainly are not. Everything is absolutely shitting the bed after that garbage CPI print that we got this morning. I'm really scared. I'm going to my bunker immediately after this live stream. You guys are more than welcome to join, but location is undisclosed, so best of luck in terms of finding things. Either way, we got a lot to talk about here today before the world ended on that CPI report this morning. Uh, yesterday was definitely an exciting one for markets overall. We've talked everything, financial conditions. Stay tuned to get our take on the kind of overall macro assessment related to financial conditions in addition to a couple of stock figures we'll always be talking about. And then, of course, we'll be diving into some Super Bowl discussions as well. And stay tuned to hear uh, exactly what I think about this recent conversation about Pat Mahomes allegedly being the greatest of all time. Speaking of the greatest of all time, we all know the two guys that really are the GOATs are standing right behind me right now. My very close personal friends, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Two GOATs in one picture. Actually, three GOATs in one picture, you know, uh, if I don't say so myself. But Mr. Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback, the greatest person to ever step foot on a football field. Rob Gronkowski, the greatest tight end of all time. Uh, don't come at me with that Travis Kelsey garbage. We will be talking about that later on in the call. So stay tuned for all of that action and more. Of course, we do want to give a quick update here first and foremost. If I can go over to my screen here, if I can get that clock up. Now, down below, uh, what we'll be talking about later on is some of the ratings related to the Super Bowl and the exact numbers. Now that we actually have the real data, I figured instead of just going off that wild speculation, we could actually pull up the real numbers, and it looks like the total is 123.4 million views. We'll talk exactly where that stacks up below in relation to the most watched events in American history. Spoiler alert, it's the second most watched event in American history. So stay tuned and find out what's number one and the remainder of that. All right, I'm going to close out of that Wall Street Journal article before we get hit with a copyright claim and I get arrested or something. I'm sure it's coming eventually, but I'd like to delay it as much as possible. Either way, let's go ahead and take a look at the market snapshot for the day. So WSO Alpha Portfolio had a solid day yesterday, especially in comparison to the garbage-ass S&P 500. WSO Alpha up about a quarter of a percent, bringing our total return to a very nice 5.69% for 2024 so far. S&P 500 lost about nine fifths, relatively flat day for the S&P, the NASDAQ, the Dow had a relatively solid day, uh, given that the Dow makes absolutely no sense, has only 30 stocks in it, and it's price weighted. So it's pretty much the most useless thing that I've ever seen. Either way, Ethereum had a tough day compared to Bitcoin as well yesterday. Well, they're still up on the year with Ethereum absolutely ripping so far in 2024, uh, especially compared to its bigger brother Bitcoin. So definitely some stuff to stay tuned to on that front. All right, some banana bits for the day. This was a shocker to see. It's uh, from one of those sub stacks. You're definitely going to have to pay for it. I'm pretty sure if you click on it, don't actually go ahead and pay for it. Pretty much all the news is contained within that first like two seconds of reading the article. But it looks like Mag7 concentration in terms of carrying markets isn't actually as bad as we may have thought it to be. So Click on that to check it out and maybe tone down the fear a little bit going on. Uh, and then, of course, confidence continued into yesterday's consumer expectation survey. Yesterday on Monday morning, we got the consumer's expectations for economic growth, financial well-being over the next year, inflation over the next year, and much more detail on that stuff. Obviously, as we talked about yesterday, consumers like myself are absolute fucking morons. Don't pay attention to what they say too much. We basically use that to get a sense of how they're feeling right now. And if anybody listens to uh, what's that guy's name? He just came up with oh, uh, facts over feelings or whatever the fuck Ben Shapiro always says. I mean, great song. Definitely go ahead and check that out as well. 
fantastic meme. We're thinking about releasing our own songs relatively soon. So let us know if you guys would like to see that as well. I'm always down to embarrass myself in more ways for you guys. All right, moving on down below. Distressed commercial real estate. I mean, is this the new YOLO trade of the year? Seems like the dumbest possible thing that you could be investing in at this point. So I'm probably going to go ahead and dump my whole savings account into some random office property in the middle of fuck nowhere. Uh, so feel free to join me on that YOLO trade, but best of luck to you if you do get involved there. Then, of course, arm shares just keep getting more and more Jeff and makes me extremely jealous. So no matter what I do, I simply cannot put on the uh, put on the LBs that arm is doing over the past couple of days, but they're definitely getting jacked up. And then something we'll be talking about much more in depth in tomorrow's edition. JetBlue shares absolutely took off yesterday. No turbulence whatsoever so far this week. Uh, it's been a relatively strong flight for them so far. They're getting some attention from old man activist investor Carl Icon, who probably should have retired a couple of decades ago, but hey, he's still in here moving markets. All right, let's go ahead and move into the big story for the day. Macro Monkey today, we're talking all about the market's mental health. You know, just like that meme that went around a couple of years ago where everybody was saying, uh, everybody asks what the dog doing and not how the dog's doing or that stupid shit that we were all fucking freaking out about a couple of years ago. We figured we'd apply the same old overused meme to the markets here today. So everybody constantly asks, how's the market doing? Not necessarily what's the market doing. Despite all of us checking in on their feelings all the time, it still chooses to act like an absolute paranoid schizophrenic. One of the biggest things that derives that paranoid schizophrenia is this idea of financial conditions. But when people say financial conditions, nobody really knows exactly what people are talking about. It's one of those things that's kind of lost in the ether. It's like one of those bullshit platitudes, like uh, the apple of my eye, and nobody actually knows what it means or what it is. Kind of like the G-spot as well, and we sure as hell don't know where to find it. But we went ahead and took a trip over to Chirac in Chicago to go ahead and try our best to find financial conditions. So we took a look at the National Financial Conditions Index, the NFCI. This is published by the Chicago Federal Reserve Bank. And essentially, it's a, it's a weird index. I'm going to preface with that. It's a strange one for you guys. But to give you the brief rundown... Basically, what they do is, in terms of standard deviation, they measure how far away fi current financial conditions are from the average going back to about 1971. So being 0.49 standard deviations away from the average, we know that that's not super extreme. Anybody who's familiar with the normal curve knows that that's well within the uh, kind of 68% bound. So very normal place to be in. But the concern comes a little bit when we start to put this in context a little bit more. So... There's three factors that are influencing the National Financial Conditions Index, and that's credit, credit, excuse me, leverage, and risk. These things, they made up of about 115 total indicators ranging from credit spreads to interest rates of various debt instruments, banking leverage, and a bunch of nerdy shit that put me to sleep back in Macro 101. Uh, but what we can see here is that despite all of the recent efforts to uh, actually increase interest rates, tighten up financial conditions, it doesn't look like it's had a major effect. Now, if we compare it to the peak ZERP ever back in 2021, when we were way down below, we can see that, you know, it's certainly not that extreme in this day and age, but it is certainly uh, still a little bit concerning to see this level that despite 500 bips or, you know, 5.25% interest rates, we are still seeing financial conditions in a less restrictive zone. So overlaying that with the idea that uh, it's potentially a debt field growth of the United States saw 2023 and into 2024, we're giving ourselves some very easy conditions to be seeing the economic growth that we're currently seeing. There's absolutely no restriction on the financial side, on the macro side. And of course, we do have the government still printing, uh, you know, or not still, but the government was printing trillions of dollars to fuel that growth. So 
what we're seeing here is some very artificial growth stuff, some very artificial conditions. Something to be a little bit worried about, but maybe artificial conditions aren't that bad. We don't really know. Like we always say, economics is the furthest thing from science as you can possibly get uh, because nothing is really repeatable across economies and definitely not across time with different technological adaptations. So like I said, we're always asking the right questions, but uh, we certainly don't know the answers. I just really hope my mom comes and picks me up soon because along with the CPI report that we got here this morning, I'm absolutely terrified. We'll be talking much more about that tomorrow, so stay tuned. Meanwhile, let's get into some stock movers of the day. We have VF Corp. Obviously, this is your hipster friend's favorite stock, their personal favorite company. Before I dive in here, uh, let's go ahead and get a take from our producers. We do have a video for you guys here on VF. Let's go ahead and check that out. All right, maybe we don't have that video here on VF Corp, but essentially what we were going to be showing was Jim Cramer coming up and uh, talking about his latest take on VF. He came out a couple of months ago and basically said, uh, do not buy this thing. It's, he was talking about, you know, it has long-term potential, but it's going to take a long, long time. And just like everything Jim Cramer says, he turned out to be exactly wrong. I personally really hope Jim Cramer talks about me soon. I hope he says that I'm absolute trash and that my career's going to the toilet. Because then we all know that the exact opposite is going to happen, and I would love to see that personally. So what actually happened yesterday? VF Corp was partying like it's 1973. It was their best day in nearly 50 years. And pretty much what's going on is they have activist investor interest from engaged capital. Uh, and not only do they have this interest, but this guy, John Barbie, who is directly related to the founder of VF Corp, who started the company in 1899, he basically supported the activist investor interest, so that got people fired up. Plus, CEO Daryl Bracken bought another 65,000 shares. Uh, that's definitely something interesting to see. Daryl Bracken is also the most lacrosse player name I've probably ever seen in my entire life. So, you know, if he's buying, there must be something going on there. But the maker of North Face Timberlands and all your other favorite brands is looking good for the day. Moving on down to Diamondback Energy, my personal favorite stock ticker on the market. Uh, besides, maybe Galway Metals might be my actual favorite ticker. But if you know, you know on that one. Go ahead and look it up. But Diamondback Energy, Fang, they are—they had some big news on Monday. Absolutely shocked the nation with the merger, uh, kind of a merger of equals to create a $50 billion oil behemoth based out of the Permian Basin. Getting access to the Permian Basin for oil companies is like being a junior in high school and getting access to a bottle of vodka. It's not only a ton of fun, but it's a signal that you're one of the cool kids. And with this behemoth, the ongoing consolidation in the oil industry, especially here in the United States, we've seen another big player that's going to come uh, and take some more territory up that base and away from the likes of ExxonMobil, Chevron, and all those other companies that keep Greta Thunberg up at night. All right, moving on into the huge losers up today. Really the big losers, especially with this first guy that we got. This is Big Lots. Big Lots is one of those retailers, and they are getting shit on all over the place, especially by Loop Capital. So apocalyptic really was the only way that we can do this. Uh, it's the only way to describe Big Lots' outlook. And so... They were downgraded by Loop. They slashed their price target from $6 all the way down to $1. And that's basically flirting with the idea of bankruptcy. And that's exactly what these analysts were calling out yesterday. Analysts cited the firm's drought-inducing piles of debt. They've been loaded up with so much debt over the past couple of years just to stay alive that uh, analysts said that they would be susceptible to a debt spiral if access to credit got any tighter. So that's a big oof. It's about the biggest oof that we could come up with. Moving on down into our last stock of the day, of course, we have Monday.com. The only thing that could possibly make Mondays worse is a garbage earnings report. And Monday.com's earnings report wasn't even that bad. Sales grew 35% compared to last year. Sales and EPS both destroyed estimates, but projected 2024 margins were absolute pieces of shit. 
They said profit margins, free cash flow margins are only moving lower. And obviously, it was tough to get the people fired up after saying something like that. Share sold off 10.1%. All right, moving on down below to the fun story of the day, records on records. In addition to Kanye West disappointing me immensely this weekend with the release of Vultures 1, not only because the album was absolute trash, but because I lost a pot of money betting on when the album was going to be released. We don't have to talk about that right now, but it was a horrible weekend for me in that sense. It really got worse by seeing the Kansas City Chiefs win yet another Super Bowl. Now, I'm not a Chiefs hater or anything, but I am a Patriots lover, and when I start to see people flirting with, you know, different teams being the quote-unquote new dynasty, I can't help but want to go crying in the corner because the Patriots are absolute trash now, especially after losing Big Bill Belichick in this offseason. So we go ahead and take a look. Super Bowl 58 won on Sunday by the Chiefs. Obviously, we're taking a look at some historical records. Nobody can compete with the Steelers and the Patriots in terms of total Super Bowl wins. Now, the Patriots, these actually happened this century. So if you uh, want my opinion, they're far more relevant than the Steelers. I wouldn't even put them on this list. But of course, this is essentially what we're seeing so far. The more important thing, obviously, is that the United States remains undefeated in Super Bowl wins all time. We are 58-0, and that's probably the most important metric for any economy in any country. Uh, so it's great to see the red, white, and blue still winning again. But this was far from the most watched television program in the United States history. Yesterday, the estimates were that the Super Bowl was going to attract 121 million viewers. Today, we found out it's much closer to about 123 million viewers. Still about 27 million viewers shy of the most watched event in United States history, and that being the Apollo 11 moon landing. Much like Super Bowl is also something that only the United States has done, so shout out to the U.S. once again. We go ahead and take a look at the most watched events in United States history. We can see eight of the top ten events are Super Bowls. These are all ones that happened over the past two, over the past about 15 years or so in total. Uh, we see 150 million for the Apollo 11 moon landing. Then the next non-Super Bowl item is the resignation of President Richard Nixon. Now, this was a bit controversial for me to put in here. Estimates for Nixon's resignation viewership ranges between about 90 million up to about 110 million. Um, and so there are other things like the finale of MASH, or some other show that my grandparents, grandparents used to watch like way back thousands of years ago. Pretty sure there were sterile dinosaurs going on, but that was happening. So we're not going to talk about that. That was in the range of about 100 to 105 million. So depending on who you trust for Nixon's resignation, that could be in the 10th spot. Then we get into more Super Bowls and other absolute nonsense that nobody cares about. But speaking of not caring about things, who cares about Super Bowl viewership? Why should we give a damn whatsoever? Well, we do have to give a shout out to Travis Kelsey's girlfriend, Taylor Swift, SpongeBob, and sports betting. One of the most random assortments of three things and three people that I could ever imagine. But they really were the reason for driving viewership of the Super Bowl this year. NFL ratings have been under attack over the past couple of years. They've been struggling to keep interest. Given that, you know, every player pretty much leaves with a melted brain, can't really think for themselves after the age of like 40, 45-ish, unless you're Tom Brady, apparently. That's why, once again, this boy is the absolute GOAT. But essentially what's going on here is we're seeing quite a shift in overall viewership of sports across the globe. So obviously the United States is known for having actual cool sports like the NFL and like the NBA and stuff. But International sports are actually appearing to grow much faster here in the United States than U.S. sports are growing internationally. And one of the biggest examples of this is the Premier League. We can see the search comparison in the United States. In Major League Soccer is absolute garbage. Uh, so, you know, it's not exactly a fair comparison, but given the magnitude, it's clear what's going on here. International sports are becoming much more popular in the U.S. We're seeing somewhat of the same trend internationally for example when the nfl goes and plays in berlin or in london or wherever the hell else they'll get a lot of people out at the games but 
the thing is those fans and that viewership isn't sticky. Nobody in Germany, London, across Europe is going to be tuning in to watch the Super Bowl and especially not to watch a regular season NFL game. We'll see if these leagues actually do go international, especially the NBA, as there are rumors of teams from all over the world uh, joining the league. Basically, the NBA is looking to add more teams. Uh, they're currently at 30 right now, looking to bring it up to about 32. They're fighting with different locations, could be Europe, and that would be kind of the only way to actually drive this interest internationally in U.S. sports. But now we can't help but wonder if international sports are going to continue to outpace the United States in sports growth. How are the U.S. sports faring against the NFL? Uh, would you buy a sports team if you could? And if so, what sports team would that be? Definitely let us know. And then obviously, we had to go with a wise investor quote of the day. What better person to ask than Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Justin Watson? Uh, basically, CNBC being the absolute nerd losers that they are, they went around before the Super Bowl and were asking everybody on the Chiefs what they thought of interest rate expectations in 2024. Most of these guys probably can't spell interest rates given that they took, you know, basket weaving and underwater dancing or whatever the fuck in college just to get to the league. Justin Watson is an absolute beast. This guy's actually a former intern at SIGS, Tuscalana Investment Group, so he knows what he's talking about. And he said, I think towards the later part of this year, maybe Q4, we'll see a rate cut. Obviously, Jerome Powell has continually fought against that, but I think he's just trying to this, trying to signal to the market not to get too hot. CNBC analysts absolutely shit themselves after that response. They couldn't believe that a football player actually had a brain, and not only a brain, but a much bigger one than most of their pundits have. So that's obviously a nice reminder that the average person does probably know a hell of a lot more than whoever's yelling at you on the TV screen. That about does it for us today at the Daily Peel Global Headquarters. Thank you guys for joining us here today at 11.57 a.m. on this beautiful Tuesday. Now, we've been going for about 18 minutes, so apologies for wasting 18 minutes of your day here. But since you stuck around for 18 minutes already, leave us a rating and a review. If you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. It's only going to take two seconds, and I'll cry myself to sleep if you don't do that. Then, of course, you guys know that you can drop your feedback within the Daily Peel itself. Just keep in mind, if you do select the Rotten S book, I am going to come burn your house down. So be on the lookout for that. Definitely stay tuned. Have your security cameras on because you never know when I might show up with a can of gas and a match. But either way, like and subscribe. Give us all the attention that you can uh, so that I can keep my job here. That would be really nice as I'm having a great time, especially hanging out with my good friends, Mr. Tom Brady and Mr. Rob Gronkowski, the only goats of football that we can really talk about here at the Daily Peel. All right, with that said, thank you guys for joining us here once again. Happy investing, happy trading. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Bye now. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.